welcome to Support for Survivors, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse. We believe all survivors should have access to justice and resources to help them heal from the trauma of sexual abuse. Our host, Shaughnessy Terrell, is a member of Cohen and Malad's sexual abuse litigation team and a former deputy prosecuting attorney who has tried hundreds of cases against sexual predators. Join us as we talk with survivors and various community members who are taking action to normalize the conversation around sexual abuse in the pursuit of justice and healing. This is Support for Survivors. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Shauna C. Terrell. Welcome to Support for Survivors. Today, we are honored to welcome Kalpa Sri Gupta to our show. Kalpa has vast experience in the corporate world, having worked with GE, American Express, Zelle slash Early Warning Services, Bristol Myers Squibb, and Mayo Clinic to increase revenues and or profitability through strategy, consulting, and diverse operational roles in product management, marketing, analytics, and fraud risk management. Kalpa began her illustrious corporate career in research and consulting with the National Council of Applied Economic Research, a leading think tank in India. Kalpa is a survivor and is here to share with us her journey as a thriver after surviving childhood sexual abuse. Welcome, Kalpa. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Shaughnessy. It's my honor and privilege to be here. I'm very grateful for you and um, team to providing you know, this platform for survivors and victim advocates. We are happy and honored to do it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in corporate America? As the listeners just heard, you've got quite a history over the course of many years. You're very, very experienced and successful in that arena. Sure. Um, like many survivors, I think I was hiding behind my achievements. Um, since childhood, I was a very nerdy child, I would say was social, right? and, 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 and at the same time, shy, right? And um, I think I found my perfect way into the corporate world where, you know, all the exciting things that were happening back then, like I started my career in early 2000s, the economy was just opening. So for me, one of the things as a child, I had understood that money and position, you know, these had power. And I saw how women often, even in Maya household, like educated women would give up their careers and they basically had no opportunity in that sense. So for me, there was a lot of focus on education. Um, so I think that became my mantra and I loved variety. And I think that has what has driven me across a lot of these companies. I started in research and consulting um, then with GE, um, the business unit I was with, GE Commercial Finance, that's multi-billion dollar company on its own, right? So doing a lot of um, consulting, uh, marketing analytics for GE's uh, CMOs and marketing leaders at the time. And then I moved to the US, I married the love of my life. Um, and I jokingly say that, have jokingly say that because it was in the Indian sense, like an arranged marriage. So <laughs> when I moved here, I went back to B school and then I had a um, great run with American Express for nearly a decade. And I would say I became a mom around the same time. And that's where I think my trauma triggers started showing up, right? And, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but right at that trajectory with corporate life, then I moved on to early warning services where I was leading product management for Zelle. So my last decade or so, I've have, I have primarily focused on strategic product uh, development, product management roles, leading both product as well as design teams um, globally in, in some of my roles. That's great background. And honestly, 
it's like a foreign language to me. I like hearing about it and I'm so interested in it. Certainly it's, it's just a, an arena I've not been in. Why don't we talk a little bit and, and circle back into um, the abuse that you survived as a child and where, how it brought you to today? Sure. So I tell that as my Christmas sticker story with my son, right? So I was in my corporate, I was a director back then. And I remember he must have been three or four. I can't remember. It's somewhere around that time. And I came home one day, like exhausted from work. And you know how how children are cute. But in that moment, my son simply wanted to use one of the Christmas stickers. Essentially, these are like mailers when you uh, when you give money to a charity or donation, oh, uh-huh. they send you back, right? And they're like beautiful. So it had our names and like glittery, like star. And he just wanted to play with that. And I was like, so not in my body, not present with him. And so in my head, I literally took that sticker and shove it in the, you know, the dustbin that was there, the garbage bin, right? And, and I, and the next thing that happened, like tears, like flooded my, you know, like eyes and, and, and I remember looking at what has happened, like what is going on, right? So, and, and then around the same time, I then worked with an executive coach and, it, and I realized that I was hiding a lot of my childhood sexual abuse. My husband and I had married for over a decade by then, right? Around, um, and I hadn't told my story. In fact, I hadn't told that story until recently with him, like for in the last mm-hmm. year or so. So my abuse, just for the listener and any survivors, it started somewhere around when I was three or four. That's my memory. And it went on until I would say probably in my early 20s. And this this is like different, at least six or seven different people uh, in my immediate household, my uncle, uh, neighbor, um, you know, a cousin, uh and there are a couple of other, you know, extended family like uncles, um, right? So uh, so I just couldn't trust anybody, right? And, you know, as a survivor, like, you know, you are thinking like, what if if you tell your story, A, is anyone going to believe? And B, like, you also are in this very love and hate relationship with your abuser dynamics, right? Where you, you are going, okay, what would be the effect of me telling my dad, like that my, you know, uncle abused me, right? And he's no more. And so real quick, just did anyone else know within your household, any other trusted adults, any family members, or just the abusers and you? Just the abusers and me. I do know there were a couple of my other friends, childhood friends, they were also abused by various, you know, uh, within among the same people. And so we knew this was our secret. And we knew at certain point, like as we grew, like how to protect our, ourselves from them. And then also, from other younger kids or girls, right? How we would, so we just took that burden on us, but we couldn't, we didn't share. Part of me, I think, believed that maybe this is the world, like this is how it happens. Do you think that culturally, at least then, is that just how things were? Because I know that you grew you grew up in India, right? And yeah. so I know that for a lot of survivors who grew up, well, really, anywhere is what it feels like is that it just was something that wasn't talked about period so this was in the 80s and 90s and to like even now it is not a convenient topic 
I know so many women, like Haitian women here, like people, of course, I grew up in India for the first 16 years, but then I've been here almost the same amount of time here now, right? Um, and I talk to women in my professional network and like childhood sexual abuse is very common. It doesn't matter where you grew up in the world or what is your socioeconomic strata. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in four girls, particularly in US, uh, and one in six boys will experience childhood sexual abuse before they turn 18, right? Uh, and that number, you know, you can look at other reports too, but that's the one that I've found like most credible and in line with the experiences when I talk to people. So I don't believe that's, I think that's a myth that culturally only some countries or cultures they experience it is a it is a hidden endemic that is affecting our children our adults I would say and our future generations I couldn't agree with you more than that so I'm sorry I kind of interrupted you but I think that you're talking about how you and the other girls who had been abused by these same perpetrators sort of took on the responsibility yourselves to make sure that it wasn't happening to the younger children Yes. And I, you know, at the time it wasn't a big deal, but when I think back and I'm going, if my son or my, you know, any niece or nephew was going through this, like, wouldn't, wouldn't I want to know, like, would it be their responsibility? How would, and then you look at the stories that you've told yourself, like, oh, I'm this responsible person. I'm like, I put on this brave front and I can solve anything. And sometimes you take on those caregiving roles, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not fair. Right? No, it, don't get me wrong. My trauma made me resilient. I am very intuitive. I have the sixth sense. And it also, I also have some of the not so good, you know, coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. like, you know, hypervigilance, control, those things are okay when you see a tiger and tiger is about to attack you, right? But they are not okay when you're sitting in a corporate-like room with leaders and, you know, just reacting to things. Um, so, um, and which which brings its own layer, um, I would say, from a corporate-like work environment, the kind of, um, and we all know, like the, all the workplaces, particularly as you rise up for women and people with disabilities, with people of color, it's not ideal, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the other toxicity or sexism or misogyny or, you know, mansplaining or, you know, racism that you experience, that has its own toll. And if you are not aware, and I think that's where, you know, that spiral, I went down that spiral, right? <laughs> that I was talking about. so to. insightful because I think that, you know, those, some of those microaggressions and things that may happen on a daily basis that are commonplace and you don't, you don't know until, you know, I guess is the um, way to look at it. And so you talk a lot about, and I think that you relate to this and you've seen a lot of other women relate to this. And I certainly have too, especially with high achievers where on the outside, maybe there's a lot of, you know, material success and success within your profession, but also a real disconnect there as well. And so is it around that time then when your son was young that you started linking some of that back to the trauma and its effects and challenges within the corporate world? Yes. So I, in fact, left a corporate role and then I was working with an executive coach. And during that time, then I took on, I went through like hours of like 
you know, hundreds of hours of therapy between then and now I still, I am in therapy and I tell that to people who is, sometimes it can be a lifelong process. Sometimes it can be, Mm -hmm. you know, phases, but I think taking like you take care of your physical health. I think your mental health is super important and therapy, not from the perspective of like staying stuck and victim that mindset Mm -hmm. as you are growing, like, I can't believe like telling the story a year ago with a straight faith without being emotional. Right. And I know that, you know, there, there are stories about our life that we make up and those stories can evolve, right? So, so both coaching and therapy and all of these things have helped me have a different narrative. So from a corporate perspective, I think back to your question, you know, like, uh, yes, that is the time when I went through coaching, I realized that I was deeply disconnected. So one of the things that high achievers do is sometimes we are like avoiding, oh, this thing happened in the past. It's almost like we are very resilient. We are, uh, you know, we preserve, right? So we are always like, we 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 want to try and fix everything, right? Mm-hmm. And you take on that. I took on that burden of, you know, fixing myself, anything that would go wrong, even if it was something external, I would be like, why is that person reacting this way? Maybe I said this, or maybe I tiptoed around. Mm. So it was almost like I forgot to give myself the grace that I give other people. Oh. And, and I ask today, Shaughnessy, the question, you know, of anyone who might be stuck in these places is why do you tolerate some things in life? What are these beliefs that we have made up about ourselves as survivors that I'm not worthy, I'm not seen, you know, I'm not good enough. Uh, maybe I am not, you know, I'm not getting validated, all these things. And we try to overcompensate for that. Oh, gosh, that's uh, that resonates for sure. <laughs> Something I see in here very often with lots of different survivors and, you know, women generally, I think have a tendency to do that. And it's hard to fix it when you don't even know you're doing it. And by the time, you know, you know, you've got a long way to come back from yeah. that. But I love that what you, what you said about forgetting to give yourself the grace that you give to others. Cause that is certainly something that happens a lot. Um, so you said that you were working with an executive coach. Can you tell us what exactly that is and what role you think it had in your journey? Yeah, so this was a dear friend of mine back then from my same alma mater. And really, I think I, I joke like, or I say with all sincerity, I joke with him, but I say with all sincerity to everyone, like, I think he saved my life. And in some ways, I think I did because we were going through a very, really a crisis probably at the time, because I remember texting one day and going, even before we were getting into the coaching relationship, there's something I need to tell, right? I felt like I just couldn't hide. I was like choking. And I know that he was worried that am I going to commit suicide or something, right? So he sent me a list of like things. And it is real, right? I think today, like, I think a lot of the times I probably had those thoughts once in my teens and probably around that time where you're like, oh, I'm tired of fixing myself. Like, who do I tell? And then, you know, my abuse, you also have this identity about who my family is. Mm. And if I share with my husband, what is he going to think? If I tell with my, you know, family, what are they going to think? So I think the coaching relationship in that journey, what helped me is telling me that this is not you, like this happens. And a lot of women, and I want to share that with other survivors, men or women, we get really triggered twice in our lives. And I validate that based on my experience. Once when we are, once we become parents and our child reaches that same age when our abuse started, 
And then second, when our children go through their own sexuality, or so for example, if they are um, in their teenage or they suddenly watch pornography or they are developing, you, you, so those are two moments where as parents, we get triggered. So in that coaching relationship, that is what helped me, you know, at least number one, seek therapy. Number two, get clear on my mission, like what gives you pain gives you purpose. And the reason, you know, all these toxicity or, you know, childhood abuse, these things were showing up because I was meant to help my younger self. And and which is what it's taken me some time to get through and do self introspection. But that's where I am today. It does take time. And that's hard sometimes, too. I think that a lot of people are like once they finally make that connection back to, oh, this may be where some of these issues are coming from. They're like, okay. I made the connection. Why am I not just better? And that's just not the way it works. It's a, it's a kind of a zigzag journey. It's not lin- the, the path to healing isn't linear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I say, you know, you, we are probably going to continually accumulate some trauma and then let go. I have become better and better at each day and moment choosing my response to what I see around me, right. And what I carry forward in life. And I think that's a lifelong practice. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so you went through uh, the executive coaching and you you were getting the therapy and kind of moving forward. And did that sort of bring you to a crossroads in terms of your corporate career and how you wanted to move forward? It did. And at the time I had created my company, Connext, which is uh, what's next for Kalpa, right? And then seeking deep connection. And that's where the word came from. So our mission is really to transform people's relationship with self and I didn't have the courage at the time to jump right into your standalone, like, you know, being a consultant or whatever independent entrepreneurship I wanted to do. And um, honestly, I had also told my story. So I, I just come from a family which does jobs. Like we just go to work and get paid, <laughs> come back. And what is this entrepreneurship? And we had some history of failed entrepreneurship in my family, right? So um, so it took some time for me to decide that, hey, that's not true. My dad also has something on the side and he's been a successful salesperson. You know, I am in my all my roles. I have done I've been the big relationship person in my corporate roles and, you know, connecting the dots. So I did take another uh, role. And then last year during pandemic, then I decided that this is the perfect time after my role with that company ended in January and I would say it just felt more, you know, I felt more authentic and in congruence with, you know, what I had to offer because I had gone through that. I had invested those, you know, hours in therapy, like a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, an additional coaching, like really investing in me and, and, and sharing those stories. And so I know what it feels like to have that constant fear, right, that a lot of our high achievers feel. So I think that brings us to a good point to talk about what Connects actually does. What services do you offer? So really our mission is to create a more equitable world, right? And one way we do that is by serving and empowering female executives and business leaders. 10% of our profits are also earmarked each year to give back to organizations and causes that that support survivors. I love that. That's amazing. Support for survivors is sponsored by the law firm Cohen and Malad. Cohen and Malad attorneys have over two decades of experience helping sexual abuse survivors. 
We work through the civil court process to get justice and compensation that can help pay for resources needed to heal from your trauma and move forward. We are proud of the work we do in giving power to your voice. And now back to our show. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I always say, you know, and, and this is a, this is a business, right? Because I feel like when you have one in roughly four adults who are survivors, you have billions of people globally who are childhood sexual abuse survivors. Like it is no longer, it's not just, it's a missed opportunity if we don't even look at it as a problem that needs to get solved, right? And we need to really make sure what's going on because a lot of the world is designed from trauma, right? So my purpose with this business is to break down the cycle of trauma um, so that we can impact 100 million lives in 10 years. There are three ways we do that. You know, one is we partner with uh, businesses and corporations, particularly small to mid-sized company, and we consult them on product and marketing, right? And really what it is in layman's term is, you know, if, why does the company exist? Who do, who do they want to serve? Like, what's their form factor? Meaning, if you are, if most of the people that they are engaging is through mobile phones or how they are reaching out, what features do they need for their website? Or what do they, or, or how do they engage with them? What is the next generation technology that's coming up where they need to invest, right? And these could be daunting questions for small and medium-sized businesses to scale, right? Because they may not have as many resources, right? So I think that's where I come in, bringing all of that, my experience from corporate to help them grow. Um, because I re- truly believe small businesses and medium-sized businesses are the backbone of our economy mm-hmm. and, and really gives freedom to people right, <laughs> to design their lives. And then the second thing we do is I bring that then also to the high achievers within the organization, either directly with the corporates or the founders or uh, entrepreneurs and share create masterminds where they can connect deeply with other high achievers who are also survivors and create that space. Because as I look around, I, I didn't find these places. Right? Mm. And I realized if there are so many of us that are you know, impacted by this, there's got to be something, right? I, I can't tell you, Shaughnessy, how often Ever since I've started sharing how, how many times people that I've known for years, and I had no idea. I remember drinking with a colleague last year and she shared like, oh, I've gone through this. And both of us got teary eyed, like sitting in a, in a, in a, you know, in a uh, cafe outside. And so when they reach out and they drop messages based on what I share, what I write or post, they may not engage publicly, but they reach out. I feel their pain. I think for me, that is really fulfilling that a lot of, um, yeah. So I really, it's not really about going into the details of your trauma or, you know, like who abused or whatnot. It's really to know that there's a reason these things happen. And if you want to create an impact and these are high achievers here, you can find more authentic connections to support and validate and cheerlead each other. It's amazing. You know, there's been a couple of different times today already during our conversation where my notes were to say something and then you already said it because I I don't know, we're just so in tune. But one of my notes was this is so unique. And, you know, the reason it is unique, I think, is for all of the reasons we've been talking about that people don't talk about it. And um, I do believe I say this always that I think that we are experiencing a cultural shift and we're heading in the right direction, but we still have a long way to go. And because of that, of course, there's nothing like what you do in existence, because as you just illustrated, you know, you're talking to a colleague who the same exact thing happened or something similar happened and you had no idea. And that happens to me all of the time, given the work that I do, I consistently have people 
disclose to me who have never told anyone. I was having a conversation with a client yesterday and she's just come public with something that happened to her. And she said that she's had so many people, you know, say, and it has made her realize how prolific this is throughout Mm. our society. And that is so true. And so I think it's so amazing that you're providing this service to help women who just like you said, are kind of hiding behind their achievements and it's just drive, drive, drive until one day you can't do it anymore and you got to stop and face it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other part I would add here, uh, Shaughnessy, is also what's unique is I remember sitting in a, in a group, um, in a, you know, survivors group, and I didn't know it was a survivors group and it was, I think for a different purpose, breath work. And, and in that forum, suddenly all everybody's sharing, you know, like their trauma. And we wondered, like, so if there are so many people that are abused, where are these abusers? What are the forums? Are we creating space where they can come up? Look, there's a place where we, you know, prosecute, we put them behind bars. But if you think about like that 90% of the cases just from the kind of abuse that we've suffered, like, you know, my uncle, a cousin, a teacher, or who, uh, the t- that teacher happened to be a sex addict or some, he had some other issues. He had abused his own sister. So you can't put like 90% of those people like in the bar, like that means something, right? So right. sometimes why is it happening? I think it's a lot of it is like lack of awareness. Some many a times they are themselves abused. And so there's got to be also a place where, these people can come forward and heal. And I remember in that forum where I was sitting, somebody just then meekly raised their hand and said, hey, when I was younger, I did this to a friend. And I can't tell you the release that that person had and the ownership that they took and the courage that took. So I also encourage like abusers that, you know, when you were a teenager or maybe a earlier, younger adult, like you may have made a mistake, own up and do better. <laughs> do better. I think- You're absolutely right. And understandably, you know, we completely ostracize any individual who's ever done something like this. And, 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 and I get that, but I think you're right that there has to be a place where we have to make space to try to help rehabilitate someone who has ever felt the need to do something like this. Cause why did you do that? And oftentimes you know, something has happened, I think that has led them to that. That's a, I'm not going to go down that uh, rabbit hole, but but it is important that, and you know, it speaks to your character and empathy that you even bring that up because that's not easy to do when you've been through what you've been through. I'll tell you a personal story here. Right. So I, um, so one of my cousins like abused me, right? So I had this whole, this thing about, you know, like I was carrying the guilt that maybe because they did this, their life is this way. And, you know, so I recently told one of my cousin's sisters and she then told me like about my trauma and she's elder to me. And she, she told me, she insisted, like, can you share a little bit more? And then I told her about the uncle. So this person had also attempted to abuse her, but she was elder and she had some knowledge. She was still a child. But she escaped. She's like, uh, oh, she was, she said she was sorry that if she had shared, you know, probably this wouldn't have happened to me. But then she was scared that what if her mom found out? What if her dad found out? Yep. They would just beat the hell out of this guy, right? And when yeah. I shared about my cousin, she was sorry that, you know, that her brother abused and she couldn't do anything. She didn't know. There was another question of like, I don't believe you because. Maybe with other people they do, but people that have actually, you know, your boundaries have been validated, you believe, right? You're there, and there's no 
you know, there's no consequences then, right? So I think I always encourage survivors to share because you do have the power now and you're not that same child. And see, even if it's like in private with people, there's there's a lot of release in sharing that. I think that it does a lot to honor that child that you were in to protect the next child from it happening to them as well. Yeah. So what is your overall mission moving forward in terms of Connext and empowering female executives and business leaders who've been through um, like experiences? Sure. So my mission is to help sexually abused children and women and people claim their power, use their voice, live with joy and create a kinder world. So when I look at my son, I remember still looking at like him, you know, a few years ago and going, if something were to happen to him, would it be his fault? And there was a resounding like saying, no way on earth. Like why? So, and then I thought like, so if it wouldn't be his fault, then why is it my fault? So I think that just shifted my perspective. So any survivors out there, just know that you are not alone. This was not your fault. Whether somebody believed you or not, stay with yourself. Stay with yourself. Right? Papa, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've had someone go through the ex- a very similar kind of aha moment where they thought, oh, well, you know, you hear these stories of things that happen to other people and it really wasn't that bad. And multiple clients, I've said, what, how would you feel about it if it was your daughter or your niece or your son? And it is like a light bulb moment. Yes, it is. Like I was talking to uh, uh, somebody who reached out to me after a speaking engagement and they're like, oh, something like this didn't happen to me. Like, I just want to know about this. And then they said, hey, this was this uncle of mine. He once kissed me and it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't that bad as yours. And I'm like, hold on. Like, If that person did that to your child, do you realize that your boundaries were violated? It is not a comparison of who got abused more or less or whether your trauma is more or less. It's unique. You were a child who needed that protection, that caregiving, and that, you know, that that place to thrive. And that didn't happen. That had an impact on you, whether you know or not. Maybe you second-guessed yourself. Maybe you started questioning, what did it even happen, right? So be with that, you know, what happened. And not to dramatize, but, you know, like, it is not okay when that happens. So, so poignant. What other message do you have for our listeners in terms of, is there anything that anyone did that really helped you or that harmed you? And then just anything else that you want to say that you think could be helpful for anyone who's listening? I would say um, one of the things that helped me is uh, people sharing their stories. um, And these are all over. I think Me Too happened right around the same time. One of the things I didn't talk about earlier is that that was happening. So overall, these stories were coming out in corporate. And here I was sitting thinking and, you know, like, why, when would we talk about our families? Like, you know, when we, when are we going to talk about, you know, those, you know, fixing things at home so that some of the perpetrators hopefully don't get emboldened and go out and hurt others, you know, outside. So I think that, so that overall, like macrocosm of what was happening, that helped. Along with that, like a lot of, you know, in recent years, like Gretchen, um, for the Fox News, you know, the, oh, the so amazing. Kind of woman she's led, right? I think a lot of that, uh, and how you silence these mechanisms that similar mechanisms are also used to silence victims of childhood sexual abuse. When, for example, your kids goes to a camp or goes to another activity and they're abused and you don't realize you've signed away some non-disclosures, right? So from an awareness oh, perspective. Yeah. 
So I think what helps is just these inspirational your stories. They give you the permission as a survivor that you you know your story yeah. matters, and then you realize even if you share that story with one person, it saves one life. It's all I I won't have any regrets, and I don't have any regrets, right? So I think that that just helps me. Um, giving getting that permission and then giving that permission to others. And that's a great way of putting it. And I think your question, I missed that. Like, did you also ask about what harmed me? Yes. I asked you three questions at one time, which is really bad form. So I apologize for that. That's okay. Yeah. What, so you, you mentioned what um, the things that helped you, were there any things that anyone did or didn't do you think along the way that have been harmful? I remember sharing my story about particularly about the abuse from my cousin with one of my friends. And I think I shared generally, and she just looked at the picture and she said, Oh, like she gave that judgment where it's almost like it was, it's almost like I played into it. Right. And as, and yes, that happens as a child, like, you know, you are, you're groomed and you are a lot of times once you're abused, you're abused again and again, there's something about that energy, either people sense or they talk about, or I don't yes. know what it is. So um, it, it, it happens. And I remember going at that just made me feel like, oh, it was some ways like, again, my fault, right? So it took me a lot of long number of years to kind of share that again with somebody because part of that, like just I internalized, I didn't even remember that story until uh, as I started doing the work, but it just, that memory came back. Ah, I remember trying to share like as a young adult and with others, but it, it just, so I say like, if you're, if anyone shares the story, just say, thank you. And thank you for sharing the story and trusting me. And it's a privilege to be part of somebody's, you know, healing journey. So um, that's just my advice to anyone, you know, going through. And, and if as a survivor, if you end up in a situation where you're sharing and you feel not ideal, be prepared to hold the space also, because it's not your fault. You don't, I, I know it's hard, but just come back and give yourself a hug, whatever you need. Don't go down that spiral and let it go, right? Uh, it, it's, you know, easier said than done, but just be with yourself, right? That is really great advice. Okay, Kalpa, I end every show with the same three questions. So I'm going to ask those to you. Um, the first question is, what does courage mean to you? Wow, I, I love that question. And really for me, the courage means you show up consistently, even when you feel deeply wounded and hurt with love for the world, right? So that's that's what courage means to me, that you don't forget your own humanity and the, all the goodness that you have in within you. That's a great answer because that's really hard. Some days are a lot harder than others too. Yes. Uh, question two, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Career-wise, I think I the best piece of advice I got was make yourself dispensable, right? Don't be territorial. If you want to grow in your career, like create structures, create systems so that it can other people can also do it. And then you get to explore other things. And that's been my philosophy. Right? Unlike a lot of the times people will like try to hold it, right? Like it's only I can do it. Yes, there's something unique. And if you want massive impact, you got to be willing to let go and partner with people and and, and really create that impact. I love that. And it's kind of related to, you know, leave it better than you found it. Yes. And you're right. Cause that's going to, you know, you're going to grow and then somebody else is going to grow into that role too. That's great. That's good. And then last question, 
what is one question that you wish more people would ask you? Wow. I think, I think a lot of the time um, here, that one question I would say is, what are you most excited about in life? Right? It's so easy to get, you know, look at the, uh, hear about a serious topic such as childhood sexual abuse, or, you know, look at what's going on around the world, like in Iran or a few months ago with Roe v. Wade, like all, all kinds of things, you know, subjugation, ways of subjugating women and um, their bodies and, you know, uh, all these atrocities. But what are you excited about in life? And I ask that question, not just for me, I ask that question of each of you, right? Get up every day and say, look around and with wonder, like this life is a gift. So what are you excited about that you will show up? I love that because, you know, when it's so easy to get into a rut and when you see people, you're like, oh, hi, how are you? But are really asking the question? Not really. It's just the polite thing to say. And this encourages, you know, first of all, a genuine conversation, but also I think it might push somebody to to think about that. Cause I think that we don't, we don't sit and think, well, what am I excited about? What, why am, what am I doing this for? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the appreciation and gratitude and like being present, savoring, and there's a lot of science around the happiness, right? So it's really the, the happiness that truly comes with connection and connection. Like there's so many things like sun every day rises, you know, in the <laughs> east, like, right? Uh, you're seeing the nature, you know, the, 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 the nature has its flow. So life has its flow. And I think uh, really the message is to get excited about life. And I think that's one of the ways also to break the pattern of, you know, trauma. I love it. Kalpa, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, your drive to turn pain into purpose and to better the lives of other women is inspiring. So thank you so much for the work that you choose to do and for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Honesty. This has been a pleasure. It's been wonderful. And just so everyone knows, Kalpa's website and social media links, including LinkedIn, because I believe you have a LinkedIn newsletter that people can sign up for, will be included in the show notes. And as always, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Submit any questions or requests for guests at supportforsurvivors.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.